Welcome to episode seven of What Lies Beneath, a Seattle Kraken podcast. Here's what's coming up. The week that was, and we have some positivity. Uh, the week ahead, we have to talk about our Thanksgiving food draft. It's Thanksgiving time, so we're going to get intense, and we're going to be uh, Thanksgiving food GMs. We have mascot news. In no dumb questions, we got to talk about positions and shots. A great question, which is not dumb. And in hockey history, we'll talk about the Gordie Howe hat trick. What is it? And why are we talking about that? So let's get to it. I'm very thankful for this podcast and for you listening. Welcome to What Lies Beneath. It is Thanksgiving time. Welcome to What Lies Beneath the Seattle Kraken Podcast. My name is Jeff Januzic, and this is my friend and co-host, Joey Cirillo. What is up, dude? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for the Kraken. I'm thankful that they got the win to make uh, recording this podcast a lot more enjoyable than, you know, if things had gone the other way. We got a we got a win streak, man. This is awesome. A one game win streak. This is good. <laughs> I was just about to call you out on that. But yeah, one game win streak. <laughs> well, you know, it's a great it was a great win. It was awesome. I mean, it was that was a roller coaster week. It was super rough uh going into Wednesday night, losing to the Blackhawks. I mean, I thought that was a must-win game. The Blackhawks not not very good, just like the Kraken, you know, record-wise, not not very good. Um, and that was really a bummer. And then Friday was that just blowout to the avalanche, which just completely sucked. I mean, I'll be frank, that was just terrible. Um, but I think, you know, this is something we tweeted about, by the way, uh, follow us, interact with us at Kraken pod on Twitter and on social media. Um, I think turbo smashing the stick on the bench as he was walking off the ice at the end of the second period, uh, which we tweeted about. I, I, that might've been a turning, turning point. I think that was I think that was a big turning point. I think they were so pissed that they got embarrassed. I mean, frankly, embarrassed by the Avalanche that they came back and put out an amazing effort, possibly the best effort against the Caps on on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's uh the frustration was very visible. I think he physically kind of uh exhibited the behavior that everyone, the team, the fans were feeling emotionally at that point. I mean, I think that was that when uh, the Avalanche were beating the Kraken seven to nothing. I'm not sure what the score was. Regardless, um, it was a straight up beatdown, and his reaction. I mean, they're just fed up with it. And you saw some of the quotes after the game from different players and Haxel himself. Um, you know, kind of just taking full accountability for it. So I'm all for it, man. If it takes you know smashing a stick as you come off the ice to get the team fired up, then then let's do it. Well, let's get back to the beginning of the week against the Blackhawks and, and a game that I thought was a game they had to win and they, they just looked flat. They did not look good. The Kraken came out and that's a game they lost four to two. Um, I was not, not pleased with that. And I was feeling very, very bummed about losing to the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, that was really tough because that was a game that I thought the Kraken really could have stole and they didn't take advantage of that. So just some quick notes on the game. I know DeBrincat and Patrick Kane each had a goal and an assist. It's one of those situations, again, where the defense was really non-existent. Um, they are putting our goalie in bad position. 
Uh, DeBrincat actually had the Gordie Howe hat trick, which I know we're going to talk about later on the episode, but he had an assist and a goal in the fight with Yannick Gord. That for me was my personal highlight of, of that, of the whole game, because even though the Kraken lost, to see Yanni Gord throwing fisticuffs one-on-one and as he's getting his head punched in, is laughing and smiling the entire time. So I thought that was rather enjoyable. But no, so, um, you know, some of the same issues that we've seen um, throughout the season so far were being replicated. And the biggest thing for me was there was zero energy, especially in the beginning of the game, in the first period. Um, The Kraken just came out like they didn't even want to be there, and it was really disappointing. And the next thing you know, they're down 3 nothing. And um, it, it's unfortunate that they, that they put themselves in positions like this to kind of get going when it's almost too late. You know, and the, the, it, the energy is something we've talked about in almost every episode of this, this podcast. Uh, the fact that they're not shooting enough, they're taking too much time to make the extra pass when they should just shoot. Uh, it just was a really bad, bad game. And, and while we you know said that, the win against the Caps might have been the best, the best win of the season. That might have been the worst loss of the season because it just looked so bad. And at the end of that first period, being down three nothing to the Blackhawks, who are also having a bad season, you just kind of go, "Whoa, you know what? We're out of this thing already. You know what? Why do we have to, you know, pull ourselves up from the bootstraps there by the bootstraps and come out of this?" this this 3-0 deficit it's just it was very defeating it was it was a rough game not good yeah no absolutely and I like I like your point about um not shooting enough or being hesitant to shoot there was a specific shot um on net in game that actually again came from Yanni Gord and it looked like Flurry had a great save because he did but it was also one of those things that for a split second there the net is completely open Flurry has no idea what's going on. And for whatever reason, Gord hesitates on it and ends up getting the shot blocked. And then the momentum kind of swings back over to the Blackhawks. So even when there was a glimmer of hope in this game, it kind of got taken away. And again, it's patterns repeating themselves. The Kraken come out slow. They're not putting enough shots on net. Um, When they do have opportunities for some reason, like they either hesitate or there's an extra pass when there doesn't need to be. So, yeah, the end result was, you know, it was a 4-2 loss. And, no, you're absolutely right. That game was not a ton of fun to watch, which made me really nervous going into uh, Friday night's game against the Avalanche because they are a much better team than the Blackhawks. So this this matchup made me really, really nervous. Well, last note for me about the Blackhawks game, the one positive, the one positive, you mentioned it, is uh, y- Yanni's smile, you know. <laughs> we have several memes that have come out of this Kraken season, which is great. I mean, there's that, there's there's positive, and we're we're an expansion team, and and you know it's going to be a rough season, right? It's going to be an up and down season, and you know things can still be salvaged, but we're getting some pretty solid legendary memes, and so far, you know, you got Turbo's profile photo, and I think the fact that Yanni Gore just loves to get in there, get physical, mix it up. And he's just smiling the whole time. He's got that. What did you, what did you, I think you pretty much nailed it when you called him, you, you tweeted about what you called him. What did you call him? I call him the Cheshire cat from Allison, from Allison Wonderland. And, and honestly, I, oh, this is going to, this is going to bother me. I, I'm going to have to look it up. I, I'm pretty sure that I actually saw that somewhere on Twitter while I was watching the game. And like someone referenced him being uh, the Cheshire cat because another individual on the team, his nickname is the Mad Hatter. And so I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like, we have a whole freaking cast going on here. 
Um, but no, he that's exactly that's exactly how he is. Um, so I, if anything, we should be laying into that more and, and start calling him that more often. Get it going. Well, it's awesome. If you if you Google it, go on Twitter. You're gonna. It's great. It's fantastic. So the you know let's let's. I want to see uh, Yanni mix it up more to see that and see to see that smile. And another thing that really was a was just an energy suck out of the week was the fact that this was a homestand. You know. Yeah. This, this was you know the the Blackhawks come to Seattle and then Friday night, which is a great night for a game. You know, and it also too, there's not a ton of games on a Friday night, so the Kraken were kind of like front and center national TV, and the Avalanche come in and just slaughter just i mean the avalanche are scoring goals like crazy but slaughter the the kraken that was a rough game that was the game that just like man i think everything the wheels fell off i don't know what happened in the locker room um i know after the game you know players were were sitting up and saying that you know like this just sucks right so yeah it, it was a it was a really really rough game and i think that and i hope I hope that was the lowest low of the season. I hope in two months losing to the Avs seven to three, which, you know, the, the three goals really, I mean, they, they had some, you know, they had, they, they got some things together, but still they got blown out. I hope this is a moment where they go, man, that when we lost in November to the Avs at home and we just got destroyed. I mean, that just absolutely was devastating. And we turned it around then. Yeah, man. And you know what? I went into this game feeling very, very uncomfortable because again, I, like many others, have questioned Hackstall's management of the goalies and the goalie rotation. I thought that Drigger should have been the start against Chicago, a weaker team, and that Grubauer, the who came from Colorado, who we signed this, you know, in, in free agency, should have gotten the start in net. Instead, it was flipped around. Drigger gets the start against the Avs. And it doesn't look good from the very beginning. But then there's that weird quote from Haxtell before the game where he's saying that Gruby is going to get some playing time in there at some point. So I'm like, wait a second. Grubauer is again playing all these minutes, starting all these games. He should have started tonight and rested against Chicago. And then you have Drieger in net. And now you're saying that at some point you're just going to put Grubauer in there. Like, what if the game had gone the complete opposite and and, uh, and Drieger's having a great game? Like, are you just not? I don't know. The whole thing really threw me off. And um, yeah, on Colorado's first 13 shots in the game, Drieger allowed four goals on 13 shots. So he never looked comfortable. Oftentimes, he was just in bad positioning. It was so bad that the announcers were calling him out. Um, it, it just wasn't a good look. And then they did throw Gruby in there. And he didn't look comfortable at all either. Like he's completely gassed. Uh, they have him going against his former team. At this point, they are red hot. And they continued to score goals against us. And you're right. Like, nothing looked good. It didn't look good from the beginning. And there was a specific um, quote that I actually wrote down here from Eric Johnson, who's the alternate captain of the Avalanche, and he's a defenseman for the team. And so he had a goal for the Avs. And the quote after the game that he said was, I didn't score on Gruby in four years of practice. Somehow I scored on him today. So if that's not the most indicative um, kind of – summary of how the game went i mean that's really how things went for the kraken that night none of it was good the abs were red hot and they were red hot missing some really key players and they just beat the shit out of the kraken and that was that <laughs> that's pretty much it they did they just you know, beat. <laughs> and you know drieger he got he got the hook uh yeah. 
as he should have. And that's, that's just, that's just tough national TV. It's on ESPN. And it was like, Ooh, man, this is a bummer of a game. Like as, if I'm just, you know, watching the game as a non Colorado or non Kraken fan, I'm going, I, I would have shut it off. Like, okay, well, I'm not watching this game. This game is boring. Um, and it was embarrassing. And it, it does seem, it does seem like they were embarrassed into a great performance on Sunday against the Capitals. So the yes. homestand, the homestand continued. They lose, and you know, uh, Turbo smashes the stick. You know, he scored goals. He, he matched his uh, 20, 20, 21 total in goals mm-hmm. um, on Friday, which is fantastic. The guy's just, you know, he's awesome. He's fantastic for the for the Kraken. So we move into Sunday against the Caps, and it it didn't look good because the Caps are you know one of the best in the East. Uh, you've got Alexander Ovechkin, who's just on fire, leading the league in goals. He's the talk of the NHL because, you know, he could beat Wayne Gretzky's uh, goal scoring record in the, in the next couple of years. So it's like, Oh God, here we go. The caps are coming in. (laughs) This does not look good. And it was just different. And I think something happened in that avalanche game or after it, or in the middle of somebody got called out or somebody got beat down in the locker room or I, you know, I don't know, but like something happened because it was a different Kraken team on Sunday against the caps. Yeah, and not only um, was it completely different, but, you know, the Caps scored first and the Kraken were down one nothing, and I'm like, oh, my God, here we go again. Because, honestly, like, the Avalanche game for me felt like the low of the season. I mean, it was so low that Bucci Gross talked about chicken parm for a solid 20 minutes. I'm like, he's going to ruin chicken parm for me. Like, not only are the Kraken getting their asses beat, but Bucci Gross is literally just eating on camera because they have nothing to talk about. So, yeah, fast forward. Sunday night um, against the Caps. I'm really nervous. The Caps score first. It's not looking that good. But holy shit, the Kraken end up winning this game 5-2. to two. Jaden Schwartz had one goal and three assists. Yarn Croak had, um, had his uh, first goal. And that was so, so, so impressive because so Schwartzy ends up doing like a stick poke. Great defensive play and passes the puck um, up the ice over to Yarn Croak who kind of makes a move and skates over to the middle and puts one on net. And it just looked so good. I mean, you saw a lot of guys getting involved that are more of like the role player type um, type guys. And that for me was really, really impressive. And after the game, Yarn Croak said, you know, what the, the question was asked, you know, what do you think was um, like the like catalyst or what's going on here? Like the Kraken looks so good tonight. And his quote was maybe because we are sick and tired of losing games and that's and that was flat out what he said about what they think the difference was between Sunday and Friday. So I don't know, man. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention Grubauer. That guy played a hell of a game. The first goal was a horrible turnover um, that was deep in their zone that again put Grubauer in a horrible position. But dude, he like you said stood on his head. Thirty-seven saves. Like, are you kidding me? A nine-four-nine save percentage. This is Grubauer's best performance. Oh yeah, and and he needed it because he, you know, he. I haven't looked at it, you know, today, but he statistically is was or is the worst starting goalie in the NHL. Like, yes. you know, so you know, we know he's got the skills, we know he's good, but just something's off. He's just you know not being managed right or whatever. But it's awesome to see him, you know, have a have a great game and walk away with, you know, that win. And those awesome stats against a really good team. Yeah. Um, you know, we did get to see uh, Alexander Ovechkin uh, score one of his goals on, on his trek to 
to try and beat Wayne Gretzky. So I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. I saw some tweets from, uh, you know, Kraken fans that were at Climate Pledge Arena, and they were like, oh, you know, like we, you know, we got the win and we got to see, you know, uh, Alex Ovechkin score one of his goals. And I, I feel like, who was it? I have to find this tweet and retweet it. But it was like, I felt like, uh, you know, I can tell my kids one day, I got to see the best goal scorer in NHL history score a goal at Climate Pledge Arena, which is pretty neat. That was a great game. It was awesome. I mean, guys got to be feeling just fantastic going into this week, and they need some good energy, man, because we, we've we got some. <laughs> <laughs> we have like a murderer's row coming up. And I also want to make a really quick note uh, where I was like, you know, don't look now, but in the past four games, the Kraken have scored one power play goal in each of the last four games. So they're starting to improve. In fact, they're right around 20% and going on the power play and going into the homestand they were like just shy of 8%. So congratulations to the Kraken. They've a little bit, you know, doubled their power play percentage. Hopefully that's indicative of other things starting to turn around. And I'm hoping that the the win against the Caps gives them a lot of momentum because like you said, these next couple of games are no freaking joke. And there's only one more game at home and then they hit the road and it's going to get brutal quick. Yeah, it's, it's arguably the best teams in the NHL, uh, starting with arguably the best team in the NHL <laughs> yeah, uh, coming to Climate Pledge Arena on Wednesday night, uh, which is fun because, you know, it's the Thanksgiving Eve, so hopefully it'll be part, uh, party atmosphere, you know, like the biggest party night of the year is Thanksgiving Eve, right? Um, so you've got the Carolina Hurricanes coming in, and the Hurricanes are, I mean, they are just looking great. They're scoring goals. They have some of the best goaltending in the NHL. Yeah. Um, they actually traded away one of their goaltenders in the offseason to the Detroit Red Wings. And everybody's like, oh, man, they must feel really confident in, uh, you know, their goaltending, you know, what they got going on over there. And uh, they, they're they doing just fine. So yeah, uh, they were right on that. Yeah. <laughs> they were absolutely right. <laughs> you know, so the Hurricanes are at the, the top of their division. Um, they're right there at the top of the NHL. Um, I mean, all statistics – you know, look, looking at their goal differential, which is basically like, you know, the difference between how many goals they've scored and how many goals they have against. Um, they're right there at the top there with a positive differential of 23. To put that in perspective, okay, to put that in perspective, um, the Kraken uh, have a goal differential of like negative 16. Okay, Ooh. so, you know, so they've got more goals against than they have goals for. So the Kraken, you yeah. know, you know, stats-wise. So the Hurricanes come in and, you know, they – look – starting this podcast episode, I would have been positive had, had they have had lost to the caps, but I'm feeling really good. I mean, that was a great showing. I, I, I hope that there's something going here and there's a good attitude and there's whatever chemistry or positivity they found to beat the capitals. I hope they can take that into this week. Cause you've got the hurricanes coming to town. Then, like you said, Joey, we're hitting the road and we are going to play on Friday night, the Florida Panthers who, uh, they're, they've got some injury problems. They've got uh, some Tampa Bay. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off there. That's Tampa oh. Bay is Friday. Saturday's the Florida Panthers, man. It's those, it's those expansion teams from Florida that I'm yeah. you know, <laughs> 20 years ago. Uh, you know, Tampa, Tampa is, is right there at the top. They, they, uh, you know, obviously won the cup last year. They've won two in a row. They're on a trek for a three peat, which would be awesome. Um, but, uh, I think that, that's they're just a really good team. You know, they're, they've got some injuries. That's what everybody's kind of got some problems going on too. But um, you know, that's going to be a tough game, especially in Tampa. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Kraken react to they've been at home now for like six, seven games, something like that. And now they're going to hit the road after a really tough game against Carolina on Wednesday. So then they also too, and it's going to be interesting to see how, 
Hack still manages our goalies because yes. not only do you have the Friday night game against the Lightning, which is a really tough team, great offensive team. You go right back down, the pan, you know, d- down to Miami to play the Panthers, and the Panthers are, you know, who who's the best they're team in the? Better, they're even better than Tampa Bay, at least record wise. Oh yeah, yeah. The the argument sure. is like, who's the best team in the NHL right now? It's like, you know, okay, you've got uh, <laughs> the the Panthers, the Hurricanes. You know, they're like basically one and two. So who is it? You know, so it's going to be really tough and really interesting to see how they play. You know, like the the Western Conference is. I don't think as good as the Eastern conference. Mm -hmm. So what's been interesting is like, we've kind of struggled against teams that aren't that great. Like, you know, lost the coyotes, we lost the Blackhawks. What if, what if this team, what if the Kraken team, they turn into giant killers and like, they just, maybe they get up for the big games. You know what I mean? Like maybe the, the grind of the hockey season as a new team, you know, going against, you know, the, the Blackhawks and, you know, maybe they just, they weren't up for, their division rival, the avalanche, you know, um, and maybe they just couldn't, couldn't get it going. They couldn't struggle and they found a way to kind of figure it out. Sorry, not division rival. I meant, um, conference rival. Um, but anyway, long story short is I hope that the positivity they have from being the caps carries over. This is going to be a tough week, but we're going to learn a lot about the team and you know, there's positives, they're scoring goals, they're scoring power play goals. Like you said, the defense had more energy, I don't know how else to to summarize it other than they they need to keep the energy up and yeah. the goal, the goaltending has to get consistent but that comes from defensive help you know um I, I soft goals like you know Drieger getting hooked because he let up some really soft goals that was a bad bad look and Gru you know didn't do so hot either so we've got to get that defensive energy up we have got to get that goaltending going we've got to have guys continue to score goals but do it early we've got to win those first periods I mean I think that's a huge thing um the crack and get down early, man. And it's just something they can't, they cannot do that against these three teams that are coming up this week. Yeah. And especially on the road for Tampa Bay and Florida and a quick note on a, on, um, on the games here. So Wednesday against Carolina, and I know you mentioned uh, the, the, the goalie play of the team, keep an eye out for Frederick Anderson. If he gets the start, like he's their guy, he's giving up 1.8 goals against per game. So in the 13 games that he has started this year, he's given up 24 goals on 383 shots. So his save percentage is, is a 937. Tampa Bay, um, they're just, yeah, like you said, like they're a really, really good team. They are missing Nikita Kucherov, who's also on my fantasy team. Rest in peace to that team. Um, so, you know, he when he's healthy, he's a top five guy in the NHL. So, and, you know, I actually have a quick question. So I'm looking up the, the matches here and looking up statistics. And I, again, I'm relatively shocked when I see something like when I'm looking at the box score uh, for the Kraken and the lightning, for example, and I see that there's statistics really aren't that far off. Like I know I made a note how evenly matched they are. I know Tampa Bay is actually really good in uh, the PK. They're 5% better than the Kraken who are also pretty good. They're still right around 80%. But um, I need to ask you as a, as a, as a lifelong hockey fan is is this how the margin always is? Is it where you have a, a team like the Kraken who are, you know, in the bottom portion of the league, and then you have teams who are at or near the top, but their statistics are still relatively close-ish? Like, is the is the is the margin of victory that slim in the NHL, or is this all just it's still kind of the beginning of the season and things are going to shake out eventually? I think the answer is yes to both. Um, okay. It, 
because you can have you can have you know um you can have some really awesome stats from individuals and be really good at something as a team and still be crappy you know you can you know have uh phenomenal goaltending and look great in that category and your goals against be really low but then you can have you know no offense whatsoever yeah you know like with the kraken is like they're you know they're 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 scoring some goals but they're just not stopping anything you know what i mean so it's a it's a little bit of of both i think that you know in the last 10 years the league has become very competitive there are very rarely um just absolute doormats right there's you know one or two but you know back in the day when i was watching hockey in like the 90s and in the you know early 2000s there were way more you know there was just some really bad team but talent is spread around um, there's a lot more parity in the NHL, but to answer your question, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. You can be really good and have some great stats, but also be a bad team and then a little bit of vice versa, but you know, okay. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, but it also gives me hope, you know, when I'm looking at the upcoming matchups for the crack and I'm looking at teams, you know, that have a, a much better record and are doing, you know, really well to start the season. Like at the time of us recording this podcast, Tampa Bay, their records, 10, four, 10, four and three. Like what I would give for the Kraken to have that record right now. But again, I'm looking at their stats and they're not too far off. And then, so I look at Saturday's matchup against the Florida Panthers. Like you mentioned, are they the best team in the NHL? If they're not 1A, then they're definitely, you know, 1A minus. Their record's 13, 2, and 3. And I made a note um, about a specific player that I, that I want to, you know, to watch play this game that I think a lot of Kraken fans are going to enjoy uh, watching play as well. And that's Alexander Barkov. He is their center. Um, and the reason why he is so special is because he's currently in his prime. He's 26 years old. Um, they just signed him to an eight-year uh, extension before the season started. He is a top 10 player in the league. Last year, he was sixth in MVP. In MVP bo- wow, I can't even talk right now. We're going to call that in. It's the fucking coffee. He, <laughs> last year, he was sixth in MVP voting. And he also won the Selkie Trophy for the best defensive forward. He is really, really, really good. Well, And he's going to be a guy that, you know, could he do some damage against the Kraken? Absolutely. But, you know, as someone who's starting to really enjoy the game of hockey, I am just excited to watch him play. It's like when Ovi comes to Seattle. I got to interrupt you um, because that is awesome. And he is. He is underrated, but he's also injured. Wait, what? Yeah, he's injured. He, um, you know, and this is annoying. I think, I don't know if we've talked about it or not, but, um, you know, the fact that the NHL for some reason just doesn't, you know, share information. Oh, man. He's got a lower body industry in, in industry. He's got a, uh, See, more coffee. That's enough. Yeah. All right. It's my fine. coffee. I need it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, <laughs> it's a lower body industry. Wait, God dang it. Where's the coffee? A lower body injury. <laughs> Alexander Barkov is probably not going to play. He's on a week-to-week eval with the team. Uh, you know what? I, I, the NHL is so good about not disclosing this that they actually have created a lower body industry. So I think that's where your head's at, man. So <laughs> they made an industry out of not disclosing injuries. Uh, thank you yeah. for that. Thank you for the support there, buddy. But uh, you, I love this guy, um, and I, yeah. I really know this because I follow him because uh, – He's also on my uh, fantasy team, which ah. we are playing each other this week. Yes, we are. And uh, I don't, man, I'm I'm not feeling good about my team right now, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Long story short, 
he's great. And I'm bummed that he's, he's not able to play. So, I mean, last I checked, cause I was setting my lineup today is it's week to week. I didn't have any other good news about him. So we, we will see what's up. He, he, he won't need surgery. Uh-huh. I just Google, I just Google it. It's his knee. His knee's messed up. He doesn't need surgery on it, but they're doing it. They're doing a week to week evaluation. So oh, I'm so torn. Cause a part of me is like, I want the Kraken obviously to start winning some more games and use the momentum from the Caps matchup. But another part of me is like, you know, if he needs to rest that knee, <laughs> yeah, know? like you know what I'm saying? Because if he's yeah. out on the ice, like he's going to be a problem. So yeah, yeah. and then you know, on, on another really quick note against because I'm really excited to watch uh, the Panthers play. Because again, you know, new to the NHL. On a on another note, on somebody that's hopefully not injured is Sergey Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. Um, they're freaking goalies. So first off, like the goalie tandem for Florida is freaking insane. So they don't have like a one A one B scenario. They have like a one A plus one A scenario. So Sergey, he he's there. Or Sergey, 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 Sergey. I apologize. He so he comes in. He has a nine three seven save percentage on the season. So he actually did some quick research on him. Came over from Columbus. This is his third year. Uh, with Florida in the past two seasons, he wasn't playing that great, but he's really settled in. So he's a new dad. So apparently that gives people like more confidence in the NHL. Like as they start settling in and getting familiar with their role, he's really settled into Florida. He really likes it there. And then there was also like a quick side note on how he um, in the off season adopted slightly bigger pads and started working on coming out of the net more. And it has completely changed his game. And now um, statistically, he's like the best freaking goaltender in the NHL. So it blows my mind that somebody that the past two seasons wasn't performing really all that good is playing out of his freaking mind. I mean, basically, like, take what happened. Like, look at what Grubauer did against the Capitals um, the other night in that win and how outstanding he was. That's basically how Sergey is playing every single game. And it's it's crazy. So. Uh, he's somebody that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. And also I have to ask you, like, uh, you know, looking at notes, like, you know, he has slightly bigger pads. I thought that the pads were regulation size across the board. I didn't realize you can go smaller or bigger depending on what your goalie, you know, as a goalie, what your preference is. And also coming out of the net more, I have to ask you, um, I'm not sure how much information you would have on this, but how does coming out of the net more really help a goalie? Is it just style of play or what? It, it cuts off angles. Okay, so oh. he, and um, quick thing about Bobrovsky. This is a tough. This is a tough thing to do. I need to get this coffee going. Less less wine, more coffee. I mean, he's got um, Bobrovsky. I mean, if we're yeah, trying to really enough. Yeah, yeah. So he he signed a huge contract. Like I, I think at the time to come to the Panthers because he had he killed it in Columbus. Yeah, I know and, he was amazing. And he uh, came to the Panthers and signed, I think, the biggest goaltending contract at the time. And then he kind of flopped and people were, were on top of him. So what's cool is, you know, he's worked hard to, you know, become one of the best again. And it's reflecting in the Panthers um, uh, record and how they're playing. So uh, when it comes to cutting, you know, coming out of the net more, it's two, it's twofold. So you come out of the net to cut off angles, right? So like mm-hmm. if you are standing like right against the crossbar and somebody's coming to shoot on you, if you think about it, it's like you've got a lot of spots to pick to shoot if you're the shooter. Well, if you come out to the top of the circle there, to the top of the crease, uh-huh. and you know, you're coming, you know, as a shooter, you're coming like you're skating right at the goalie, you see less of the net, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's coming out to challenge shooters, he's coming out to challenge 
the offense from the other team. That that goaltender's coming out to like be aggressive and get you know and and come out and and start shit and and you know get out there and muck it up a little bit. But they're also too going to cover the angles. They're they're being aggressive. They're being confident. I so, was gonna okay. I was gonna say that everything that you just described to me that tells me that that is an individual that's playing with a lot of confidence. So I'm I'm really happy that you shared that. Cause that makes a lot of sense. And also, like you said, it's being reflected in his game because the guy's playing out of his freaking mind. Yeah. So like watch, you know, our, our goalies, the cracking goalies, and, and you'll kind of know, you'll kind of know when they're, they're feeling it and they're coming out to challenge guys. They're coming out of the net to cut off the angles. I think, uh, I forget which goal it was. The Drieger's goal it might've been the fourth goal that he gave up when he got the hook. Um, yeah, that guy, was, that guy was not feeling at that game. <laughs> yeah. Like he did. He, he was, not covering his angles well. Like he came yeah. off, I think it was a top shelf goal just over his uh his left shoulder, and he was down on the ice and he yeah. just was, he was not playing it well because it was just a, a nice little shot, nothing crazy. I think it was like top. after a face off too, and like yeah, yeah, his positioning in the net was completely off, and even the announcer Bucciagross yeah. before he's shoveling chicken parm into his face was like, yeah, um, yeah Drieger is not not in the best position here. I have so I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot now. And I'm asking you now. We're gonna do a pretend scenario. You're Dave Haxtell. How would you handle the goal as moving forward? Because I have in my mind, I know what I would do, but I want to know. So again, the next game is Wednesday, um, and that's that's going to be a, a really big matchup. And then you go on the road to do Tampa Bay and Florida back to back. How would you handle the rotation of goalies in this scenario? I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start Grew against. Yes. I'm gonna start Grew against the yes. Hurricanes. Yeah. Best, you know statistically the best defensive team in the NHL. Um, I, I want to have a goalie. I want to give him a chance to shine and be my number one guy. Then yeah. Friday night, uh, Drieger, and then back to Gru on yes. Saturday against the Panthers. Cause um, you know, got to give him that rest and let him do his thing. So, you know, I got to build confidence in my goaltenders. Um, the only reason, look, I, I think Gru is obviously a lot. He's got to be a lock for the game against the, the, the hurricanes but you know now i'm starting to overthink this which is maybe what dave Haxel's doing is like do you <laughs> drew had a great win and is feeling awesome i think you go with momentum I mean, you got you got to start him again and keep him feeling good yes. um, but you got to get drieger in there and like he needs a win too so he can start feeling good and confident because he had such a bad showing against the, the avalanche so yeah i say grew is your starter against the canes and then tampa bay is Driegs, and then you got grew back in net against the panthers it's going to yep. be you nailed it, man. We're on, we're, on the, we're on the same page, and we did not previously talk about this, and that's why I would have done to roll with the momentum. Like, Gruby just played outstanding. They have a couple of days off. Yep. Wednesday, Carolina, they yep. are the better team. Let him get the start. Hopefully keep momentum going. Tampa Bay is the quote-unquote lesser of the team, so let Drigger get that start, and by then he's had plenty of rest, and then after that, on a back-to-back, you got to put Gruby back in net. Yep, yep. So it's going to be a, an awesome week uh, for the, the Hurricane. I'm sorry, for the the Kraken. Um, I think hopefully not for the hurricanes. Shit. No, no. <laughs> at least, let's, for the hurricanes, let's at least get one, one, one game, not two. And here's, here's something good. Here is some, what lies beneath podcast insight into this is. So I, I have in my fantasy league, the hurricanes goaltending duo. And whenever, you whenever this has, no, but here's what, here's what, <laughs> dude, here's what happens is I started them. But whenever they go up against a team that I love, like in the past, the Red Wings, like that, the my my fantasy team just gets destroyed, right? So interesting. We have some we have something good there. So I was, you know, I went with the the Canes because you know they're really good. But 
Um, secretly, I'm kind of hoping they come in and, you know, get lit up by the Kraken. So I'm just yeah. saying, like, we have some uh, Jeff's bad fantasy hockey league management will come to possibly help out the Kraken. Yeah, so, it turns into, like, real-life good hockey juju. Okay. Yeah. Yep, like, yeah. Yep, okay. Yep. Gotcha. And, and a couple of the quick notes um, that are Kraken-related – uh, one thing I want to point out is there's a Twitter account that I fell in love with, which is fantastic. Is um, there is a dead pixel on the <laughs> yes, <laughs> the huge, amazing, big Climate Pledge Arena, beautiful, best, best, most awesome arena in the NHL, hands down. It is amazing, right? Yeah. Everybody who goes there says it's so fantastic. But in the middle of their, you know, one of their two big screens is uh, is a dead pixel. So like. What's a dead pixel? It's, you know, like you're looking at a screen. There's a spot on the, on the screen. It doesn't work because it's a blank spot. And uh, somebody has started a Kraken dead pixel Twitter account. <laughs> and they're just taking pictures. Obviously, they're just taking pictures of the of the big screen. And they're just making jokes uh, about, you know, the dead pixel. Like, for example, I think it was, was it, uh, was it Gru or Turbo? There was a picture of the big screen with like Turbo. Yeah. And it just it just happened that the dead pixel was like on the back of his jersey back and his jersey. Said, yeah. Said, Don't worry, Turbo. You know, we I got we, yeah. we got your back. <laughs> that was fantastic. No, I saw that and it was freaking hilarious. So kudos to that individual. That is yeah. that is money. And now oh. honestly, I hope that you know, whoever is you know working for the crack and they're at Climate Pledge Arena, I hope that they that they kind of leave that there on purpose because you know, dead pixels a real thing. And if it's just one little pixel and it's in on a joke, then I say you just write it out and you totally embrace it. Just like you embrace, um, you know, the Tanev face and you create like the Tanev cam, like let's embrace the dead pixel in climate pledge. Well, there's an, uh, so moving on from the dead pixel, I love it. Uh, a couple of Twitter notes is um, I'm going to need, I'm going to need dude hockey fans to stop mansplaining uh, hockey to women. Um, yes. Appar apparently, apparently women's response to uh, buying Seattle Kraken jerseys is, is like out, outnumbering men like crazy. Like women are into this team and we, we have some awesome, super active uh, Twitter fans uh, that we love interacting with. It's just a great community. And there is a, a couple of women that we tweet with often um, one of those is Madero's, uh, who actually is here in New Orleans. We have to go have a beer with her and have. No, like we're a absolutely going to watch a, a cracking game with her. That is going to happen at some point this season. She gave some opinions just the other day about like Patrick Kane and some Blackhawks fans came in and it got real, just like nasty. And they pulled the mansplain. They they pulled the the you shouldn't be watching hockey because you're a woman, you know, deal. Um, then we have Caitlin, uh, who also uh, tweets with us quite a bit. Yeah. I, don't have her, I don't have her handle in front of me, but she's fantastic. I just want to say, dudes, like, just like, this is an equal opportunity sport. This is an equal opportunity podcast. Um, so I, I, as women are just loving the Seattle Kraken, um, we really need y'all to chill out, okay? Don't, don't be coming in here blasting, acting like you know everything about hockey. Obviously, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that, you know, uh, I've watched hockey for a very long time, but there's so much crap that I don't know about it. Joey's new to hockey and he's already like, you know, uh, lapping me in his hockey knowledge, which is fantastic. But like, stop mansplaining, lay off. This is something that everyone should be able to enjoy, regardless of sex, you know, your gender, whatever you are, uh, you know, color, race, anything like that. This is an amazing sport that should be enjoyed by everybody. And we should not be coming in saying like, you don't know hockey because of blank, you know, your, your genitalia. So, um, yeah. chill out on that. All right. So sorry, I'll get off the, the pedestal. No, man, you freaking nailed it. Um, I will, 
add a, my very poignant comment of if you are one of those individuals, you can politely shut the fuck up. Yeah, so there you go. sorry, I'm not sorry. And you yeah. know what? If you feel the need to be an asshole and to be on social media or whatever, and you want to, you know, mansplain or just explain hockey to someone, explain it to me. I'm two months in. Like, I, we interact with these women often. They are outstanding individuals. We interact with a lot of people often, and they know a hell of a lot more about hockey than I do. So if you feel the need to be a dick and to, to be on social media and, you know, feel the need to one-up somebody in hockey knowledge, then come at me. I'll take that all day because I'm brand new to the sport. And that's fine. I'll probably still tell you to fuck off because you're a dick. But I don't know, man. I- I'm with you. you. You nailed it. So that's that's all I'm going to say about that. And you know what? The 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 one thing, the one last thing that we'll say on it is this should be a unifying thing. This is something that we all should be able to get behind, right? Like again, Seattle finally has a hockey team. We are all really really excited about it. The win against the Caps was so big that it made everyone forget about the Seahawks season being completely over and the future of the franchise is in jeopardy. <laughs> so, like in terms of like what the fuck the Seattle Seahawks are going to do. Like that's how good this Kraken win was on Sunday night. So it's like let's all unify around this and just enjoy watching hockey together and stop yep. being mean to each other. No, so I love it. And then um, that the other quick note is uh, apparently a mascot is coming. There was an article yes. uh, I- interviewing a, a merch guy, uh, like the merch guy uh, for the Kraken. And uh, the, apparently we're supposed to see a Kraken mascot in the arena by the end of the year. So December is what the rumor is. And, yes. um, you know, the quote from the article was, you're going to love it. And we'll see. So hopefully that's something that they get this right. I still think it should be, um, and, and I got mansplained a bunch of stuff, dudes playing a bunch of stuff, um, about, um, oh, Zoidberg, you know, cause we were trying to get Zoidberg. Oh, yeah. People like, got so, so upset with you over that. Well, I, I mean, I understand it's like, of, of course, you know, like the licensing yeah, is, are, are the Simpsons and you know, whatever 20th century Fox going to license. No, it's going to cost a lot of money. Okay. I understand that, but like, let's have some fun with that thing there. Anyway, what's the mascot going to be? We should probably talk about that maybe next episode maybe as we head into december yeah. we can kind of take some guesses as uh you know what 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 people think the mascot is going to be but we're going to get a mascot totally pumped about that so that is your kraken reaction and as you know the nhl season is is underway and DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice new customers can bet just one dollar on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper, slapper, or a, a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook's not available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. That's THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
You have to be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Uh, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we should, we, we need to get DraftKings to sponsor uh, something like this when we do these sorts of things, because this is, this is probably better than any uh, fantasy league that you could join. Although we love DraftKings, but we need DraftKings to adopt what we are hopefully starting as an annual tradition, the Thanksgiving dinner draft. So let me introduce you to this is if you listen to our Halloween episode, we drafted a hockey team made up of, Monsters, scary, you know, ghosts, villains, evil, whatever, to fill out a hockey team for the holiday season, the Halloween season, right? So we wanted to do the same exact thing uh, for Thanksgiving. And what do people feel so strongly about when it comes to Thanksgiving? No, not giving thanks. It's food, right? So here's how this is going to work is we are going to draft six positions Right. And we're going to try and fit this into some sort of hockey analogy. Uh, <laughs> we have a list of, we've listed out the 25 possible dishes, some main, some sides that uh, could be at any Thanksgiving dinner, any Thanksgiving spread. And Joey and I are going to go back and forth and draft uh, what we think will be the best team. And we'll list these things out for you. Ideally, get them out on Twitter so you can um, tell us, you know, what your take is on this. So I think this is how it's going to work. We're going to do a snake draft, which means we're going to go back and forth on our picks. Joey, I picked first in the Halloween monster draft. And so you still got destroyed. You still got crushed, man. <laughs> I did not get crushed. I won that. I won that just because I had Jason as our goalie with the goalie mask. So our yeah, team true. definitely won. That was pretty good. Ruby's game against the Cavs after it was over. I was like, man, he's really, he's really out there freaking in front of the net, like Pennywise, you know? Like oh, jeez, <laughs> Come on. That was a terrible, terrible goaltending choice. Okay. So let's, let's get to it. The, the, what lies beneath Thanksgiving food draft. What kind of a Thanksgiving dinner is this? Where's the turkey, Chuck? Where's the mashed potatoes? Where's the cranberry sauce? Where's the pumpkin pie? Joey. With your first pick in the NHL, I'm sorry, the Thanksgiving hockey food draft, whatever the hell we're calling this thing now, what's your first pick? What are you going to go with? All right. A lot of pressure. You know, if I wasn't so prepared, I would feel a little nervous right now. But with the first pick of my uh, fantasy Thanksgiving food draft, whatever the fuck we're calling it, I am going to pivot. I'm going to go with ham. And I am going Ham over. I'm going ham. See, already talking shit. So I'm going ham over turkey, and here's why. Ham, it, like turkey, a lot of times can be dry. If you're over at your crazy aunt's house and she puts out some turkey and she doesn't believe that gravy goes on top of it or she overcooks it, turkey is coming out dry. Ham is always consistent. It is, I would argue, just as big a staple Thanksgiving food, at least here in the United States where we are celebrating Thanksgiving. So I'm going with ham. Um, it, it's, it's always in the clutch. So ham's my number one, man. I'm, I'm going with, I'm going with that staple. I'm going with it over Turkey. You're, you're, you're overthinking this. And I hope you take Turkey. I hope you get Turkey. And I hope that, you know, I don't want to hope oh. that yours comes out dry because I want you to have a nice Thanksgiving, but you know, if no. it does come out dry for others, that's like Drieger having an off night against the avalanche. That's what, that's what the equivalent of a dry Turkey is. You are terrible. Ham's good, but you're terrible. Like Delicious. ham's good. That's Easter. 
Okay. It is not. Oh, I think, I think ham can be Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, pretty much any holiday you celebrate. And if you eat ham, ham, ham is there. It's in the clutch for you. You know, it's there. Ham's the captain of your team, but doesn't ask for all the attention. So ham is the Mark Giordano of my, of my fantasy team. <laughs> that was great. I'm going to give you, that was a great analogy, but I'm not going to lie. Oh, I just made all of that up on the fly. So crappy. <laughs> bad choice. Amazing analogy. <laughs> Thank you. All right. With, with the, uh, my first selection in the Thanksgiving hockey draft. Uh, oh, by the way, did you, uh, you want to give a position to that ham? Like, do you want to even bother with that? Or you just, just put, no, we don't need to bother with that. Cause okay. we'll, we'll, what we'll do is yeah, like you said, like we'll put this up on Twitter and people can take a look at our starting All line right. of the, right. of Thanksgiving food and they can vote. And then once they vote me, I can tell you, I knew I was right. All right. So well, then I'm just going to win because if you've never had this before, you need to, you need to do this. I've been doing this for a long, long before I, I moved to Louisiana, I was frying turkey. So with my number one choice, I'm going with the Cajun fried turkey, uh, which uh, I was doing this in Michigan before I married a uh, New Orleans girl and moved to Louisiana. Um, this is where you inject, you know, just spicy, beautiful, buttery Cajun spice into a turkey. You let that marinate for a day and then you deep fry the hell out of that thing, which which seals in the juices. Right. Is, and now I have over fried them. So it that that, you know, that can suck. But a Cajun deep fried turkey it's just one of the best ways that you can enjoy turkey. So that's my first pick. I think that is literally like you're talking, you know, pick pick the best player in the NHL. That's Connor McDavid. Um, wow. Okay. I mean, that is like literally like the smoked, the, the Cajun, I'm sorry, the Cajun fried turkey is skating around already on your Thanksgiving table, lapping your ham. Your ham's just sitting there kind of like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a defense that got caught looking at the puck, you know, defense that got caught, caught looking at the puck, just toast. So Cajun fried Turkey. I'm writing that down. I just own this draft already in the first pick. So with your second pick, Joey, what are you going to go with? Oh my God. Oh, you know what? That, that was a solid pick. And now I'm thinking about the, the pop. You don't be nice. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm being honest, man. Yeah. You, you nailed that one. I'm still sticking with ham. A nice glazed ham will go a long way. Okay. For my second pick, I am going to go mashed potatoes with gravy. And I get to, by the way, if I claim mashed potatoes, that means that I get to claim just potatoes in general. So all gratin, however, scalloped. I'm just saying, like, I'm going going with mashed potatoes. Like, this is a staple for me for Thanksgiving. Mashed potatoes with gravy. You can even sprinkle some chives in there, some salt and pepper. Do whatever you want. No, you're like you're like you're coming in here and you're just changing. You can't just claim all potatoes. <laughs> I should have just said all potatoes, but yes, I will take I will take mashed potatoes with gravy. Um, and again, that's my staple. That's another backbone. So I'm feeling like I, you know, I'm I'm a uh, this this is my starting line, and these these are my two guys. I'm rolling out first is as a nice glazed ham and some mashed potatoes and gravy. All I'm saying is, if you are joining me on Thursday for Thanksgiving. You are not upset. You are very happy with the lineup that I am currently rolling. No. I'm Polish. I'm from Detroit. I'm a, I'm a mashed potatoes guy. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little pissed that you took. I was not going to pick mashed potatoes. Uh, I kind of knew you were going to go there. I've already planned for this. So um, it's Touché. a great choice. I love it. You know, that's what, that's our staple. My wife makes amazing mashed potatoes and gravy. Um, and we actually, you know, we got three kids, so we're kind of, Wrecked. The past couple of years, we've we've gotten the Costco. We brought in, brought the Costco uh, mashed potatoes to yeah, Kirkland. Yeah, Kirkland, and they're 
amazing. They're no, so they're good. so good. They're, yeah. So shout out to Kirkland Vodka. I mean, they make some like Kirkland brand. Well, products. you know That's what it is, plastic. right? They just shut. They take the the blue the gray goose bottle, and when they're done with that, the bottles they shut off the tap, and then they bring the Kirkland bottles and they they put the i've actually i have heard that yeah i mean it's the same the same quality except for you get a bottle three times the size of a gray goose bottle for half the price (laughs) yes yes so anyway good choice the mashed potatoes but i'm gonna go with my i'm writing that down for you mashed mashed taters i'm gonna go with my second pick being the uh, macaroni and cheese but the key the key is um i think macaroni cheese got to be it's got to be baked Baked mac and cheese. Baked mac and cheese is fantastic. You yeah. have to bake Maybe it. It's not just something you just make it into a pot. And the key is like, it cannot be dry. It can't be like when you cut it, it cannot be like a brick that sits on your plate. Like it's got to collapse in sort of like a velvety, uh, uh, you know, liquidy, just wet concoction. Like if you set it down and it stays in its form, like cake, that's going to be a, you have to put gravy on it. Like to salvage it, you have to put gravy on the mac and cheese, which defeats the purpose of mac and cheese. So I'm going to say like it's a top tier. It's a top tier food item too. When you're eating everything, when you have some spillover, like when the mashed potatoes and gravy, which you will not be having because that's for me. But you know, when it does mix with your mac and cheese, you love that bite where you get to kind of swirl everything around and then mm-hmm. scoop it into your mouth. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a freaking party in there. Yeah. So okay. Yep. All right. Okay. So. Baked uh, mac and cheese, specifically baked mac and cheese, is your pick. Yeah, your third, right. your third pick in the Thanksgiving food draft. My Go. third pick, and I'm still sticking with staples. Give me cranberry sauce. I'm going Ooh. cranberry sauce. I'm going flashy, and I'll, so I'm about to give you a really not so popular opinion um, that you might very well judge me on. I prefer the shit in a can over the homemade stuff. Give me the Jello style cranberry sauce straight out of the can. In fact, when I was a kid growing up, I would just literally open the can and take a spoon to it. Like, don't even don't even bother to dump that shit out into a bowl. I'm good to go. Cranberry sauce. So I have ham, mashed potatoes and gravy and cranberry sauce. Again, it's flashy. It's always there for me. It makes me happy. Cranberry sauce is like the Yanni Gord of my team. Like, I just I need it there. It, It comes in small sizes, but it always it doesn't it never, never lets you down. You're you're, you know, Mark Giordano. Ham analogy was good. That was a terrible analogy. <laughs> as good as that one was, that it was felt, it felt a little bit forced. Equally bad. <sighs> and you honestly, this may be the last. This may episode seven may be the last one because I don't know who you are. <laughs> I thought I was getting to know you. Like you're a mess. Cranberry I, sauce yeah, as yeah. your third pick after looking at this list. Like we yeah. have to give people the. That's a horrible it's a staple. Pick. It's just like in the can as a child, you're just spooning it. Like I, I need yeah. to talk to your parents. This is this yeah. is not right. Here's I the thing, and, and I'll give you the reason why. Because I hate when someone shows up with the whole, oh, I made cranberry sauce, and I'm probably gonna piss off a lot of people that do this, but I hate when someone shows up with the bowl of homemade cranberry sauce and I go to take a big bite, I'm excited, and all I get are pits. Now I'm spitting them out. And I can't fully enjoy the dish. And they left the stems in there and everything. It's like, I don't want all that. I just want the delicious cranberry sauce. Like, get get all the stems and, and all that shit out of there. Like, I'm just I'm just trying to eat here. I'm not trying to work for my food. This is Thanksgiving. I want to give thanks for being lazy and eating a ton of food. That's what I want to give thanks for. 
No stems or seeds, man. No stems or seeds. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. So I'm writing the cranberry sauce. I'm going to go with – Cranberry sauce reference, yes. Yes, yes. And uh, I'm going to go with my third pick. This is, I'm going to go all Louisiana right so far on this. is like Because you got to have – you know, the baked mac and cheese is, is something that, like, I experienced in Louisiana. Obviously, the okay. green fried turkey. But I'm going to go with the shrimp melaton dressing. Um, uh, the, the stuffing. Okay. That is delicious. So here it's – if you don't know what it is, which you probably don't know what the hell it is. A lot is. of people won't. I didn't know until I moved down to New Orleans. Same. I did not know either. So it's dressing, right? But it is shrimp. That's pretty self-explanatory. And then mm -hmm. uh, you look at the word, it'll look to you like, and people say it differently here, but uh, in different ways. Um, merleton is what it looks like, but I've seen yeah. it pronounced mostly melaton or merleton. And it is a squash. It's, it's you you'd find it in new orleans as a melaton uh -huh. but around the country you find it as it's i think it's coyote squash yes it is it is coyote squash or yeah that's that's exactly what it is or a climbing squash you know it's actually a fruit not a vegetable i did not know that until yeah. i started doing some research for this yeah coyote squash um it's green and what's cool about it is i love it because you know like with the mac and cheese it can't be dry and dressing can get so dried out and nasty yeah. Well, shrimp and the melaton squash in there makes it really nice and moist. The melaton squash is a little like it's it's not like okra, but it's kind of got a little bit of a squashy sliminess to it. So it it makes sure the moisture gets in there. And then also, too, is in all the and I've never made it, but in all the recipes I've had with shrimp melaton dressing, it's always got that little bit of that Cajun spice to it. Right. So no, like, absolutely it's, does. it's got flavor, man. That's what's great about living in New Orleans and Louisiana is like everything's got flavor. That's completely foreign to my, uh, you know, Polish white potato, uh, you know, palate. So I'm going to go with shrimp melaton dressing. Look that up as you're looking up your fried Turkey. Uh, I think there should be some, some Seattle, Thanksgiving dinners that are Louisiana um, themed in honor of the What Lies Beneath podcast. So that's Listen, I don't want to toot our own whole, our own horn right now, but we might have just changed someone's lives, just like our lives were changed when we discovered this dish. And I'm telling people right now, whether or not you celebrate Thanksgiving, if you had not had shrimp merleton stuffing, I highly, highly recommend you look up the recipe and try to make it because it will change your life. It is that good of a dish. It is a staple. I hate to admit that to you because you know we're obviously in a uh, in a food draft right now, but um, no, it's it's absolutely life changing. It really is. So for those out there that are interested in food as well, I hope you give it a shot. Yep, now for yep. my for my pick, I'm going to steal something away from you, which I think is going to tip the scales in my favor. Give me dinner rolls. I'm going dinner rolls number four, and the reason why I say tip the scales is one of my favorite things to do on Thanksgiving is when everything is kind of a mishmash on the plate and I'm trying to clean it up because I'm going in for seconds even though I don't need it because I'm already uncomfortable in my own body. What I like to do is I like to take a dinner roll and rip it open nice and slow, let some of the steam out, just look at it and feel it in my hands, and I like to scrape it around, start from the edge of my plate and then working the way in and get all that deliciousness in there and then shove that into my mouth. And that is one of the best bites you will ever have so dinner rolls are an absolute must. I'm going with it. And I know that I'm going with some pretty basic stuff here, man. But, you know, without dinner rolls, you're missing out on a big part of the Thanksgiving food experience. You know, so far, if you I would respect you more if you came out mashed potatoes and then dinner rolls.
because dinner rolls is a solid choice. I agree. Cranberry sauce is one of my favorites. Wait, I'm not, wait, I don't regret that number three. I don't. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Because <laughs> uh, the, the dinner rolls, though, that's a fatal. That's a fatal flaw for me. Is you know, like getting you know, oh man, we're getting ready for dinner and there's stuff going on. When the dinner rolls come out, like I'm jumping on it, and that's just. Yeah. It's a bad move if somebody who wants to really overeat on Thanksgiving because we're big bread guys. We're, we're big bread guys here. Give me the yeah, give me the carbs all day. We're carbo loading. Once we start video for this podcast, I'm gonna have to go on a, like a, a run like every day for a week because I've got some crazy carb loaded chin going on right now. And that's that's I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. The dinner roll thing is a solid choice. Yeah, it's a good choice, man. I so I, I'm I'm there eating way too many dinner rolls um, on Thanksgiving. So I'll give you that. All right. Um, I'm going to go with my fourth pick. I'm going to go nice and easy. I don't know where you stand on this. Um, you know, there's so many different pies you can pick. Um, mm. I'm going to go with the classic. I'm going to go with pumpkin pie. It's got to be, you know, pumpkin pie. It's got to be, I think, now here's the key. Lots of whipped cream for me. Got to have lots of whipped cream on the pumpkin pie. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know where you stand on that. I know. So I think actually pumpkin pie is really underrated. I don't understand um, the the slander against it. Sometimes, you know, people want to trash on some pumpkin pie. But the reality is, if you've had good pumpkin pie, it is a game changer. And for this time of year, at least for us that celebrate Thanksgiving, even Christmas, pumpkin pie is definitely a staple. And yes, you always need you always need some whipped cream on top. So I'm with you on that 100 percent. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't hate on that pick. And, um, is, is there anything else you'd like to say about pumpkin pie or does the pick speak for itself? It's, it's pretty basic. So it's a basic take, you know, pumpkin pie. There you go. Got, you know, like what can you, it can be, it can be dense. It can be, you know, cause it fluffy. Like, I don't know. I'm, by the time I get the pumpkin pie, I'm like, I like the, you know, the nutmeg taste in there. I like the creaminess of the, the pie filling, whatever the hell it is. And then a lot of whipped cream, just excessive amounts is it's really honestly, when I get to the pie part, it's just a vessel for whipped cream to, for me. So, <laughs> is Jack think, just doing whippets in the garage? Like, oh yeah, the pie. That's not that's not it. But you know, I, I could I I have a problem with sweets these days as I get older. So, oh dude, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I have a I have a massive sweet tooth. So I'm I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Um, All right, so we're at your fifth pick. What do you got? I'm going to I'm going to go complete opposite of your direction. You're going sweets and I'm just realizing, "Hey, I haven't really balanced out my my meal yet and I want to appeal to the masses here so I can get the votes." With my fifth pick, give me Brussels sprouts. I want roasted Brussels sprouts. Solid. You can even drizzle a little bit of syrup on them. That's actually like a a big freaking hack because it makes it like a little bit sweet, also really delicious, but Brussels sprouts for me are a staple. They're so good. Even as a kid, I was not a vegetable lover. I still love Brussels sprouts. I've only grown to love them more. So it's one of those things that they're good. They'll they'll continue to be good, if not great. So yeah, pick number five, going Brussels sprouts. Now we got some greens in here. Well, that's good. Uh, it, again, a vessel for just like Brussels sprouts have has it, over the past. It's pretty trendy too. It's a good trendy pick. If yeah. it's done right, you know the restaurants always got that on the um, you know the hors d'oeuvres, the appetizer menu, and they yep. do it so good. I've, I've, we've tried so often to like you know bake them at home and make them so they really stand out and put the cheese on them and all that sort of stuff like the parmesan and the, 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 this. They're fantastic, but again, they're really just a vessel for like salt and sweetness. Oh and, yeah, and that's the best part. You can do whatever you want to them. You can throw them throw them in the freaking oven, pull them out, drizzle with however you want them to taste. 
like you said, you can you can make them, you can candy them if you want. Like, let's have some fun with it. Well, I'm, I'm, that's that's a good choice. So I, I respect that. Um, I'm gonna go. It's it's not uh, it's green, but it's still a mess. Not good for you. Is the green bean casserole? Ah, uh, um, this know, is the I, one I, I'm 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 against you on. Giving you two thumbs down, man. I can't do it. Green beans are the one thing that I cannot. I literally cannot stomach. I can't at all. This. I can't stand the smell. Okay, random fun fact that won't take long to tell. My mom was pregnant with me. All she craved was green beans. And so how I am with like cranberry uh, sauce, like out of the can, she shoveled green beans out of the can for nine months. So for nine months, I am a prisoner being spoon sped, spoon, wow, spoon fed. Jesus, what's my deal? This is how upset I am. I was being spoon fed green beans for nine freaking months against my will. And no bullshit to this day, even the smell of them makes me nauseous. I can't do it. So even if you try to hide it in a casserole, I know what's going on and I stay away. Even with all the, the, you know, the mushroom, no cream of mushroom, the, the crunchy little onion things. No, even the smell of it. Like it, it, the, it doesn't matter if they're in a can, if they're fresh from, you know, the grocery store, whatever I'm out, I'm a hundred percent out. Cannot do it. Wow, that's a fun. It is a fun fact. Man. I feel like in some countries that's like a form of torture. Like they just tie you to a chair and spoon feed you green beans. And I would. That's yeah. That's against. That's against like international law. Future, geez, this is a. You're really pissed off at green beans. Um, future, you're more pissed off at green beans than I am at ham for your first choice. Future, it's a serious thing for me, man. I have PTSD from this. Wow. Okay. So future uh, topic about food and draft is like. Uh, foods that you hate. We can go down that list on that. But uh, okay, so then I'm gonna eat all the green bean casserole myself. So all right, good, cool. good. Right. And I hope uh, I don't hope you get sick, but I hope we, that afterwards you had too much and you are on the same page as me. We at our house, like we've been eating green beans, like almost uh, I would say twice, three times a week. We're really in a big green bean kick right now. We have green beans growing in our garden. Like we that's we have we are we we are not good at growing a garden, but the one thing that's doing great is our green beans. So like man, like I am kind of like your uh anti-hero here i'm like go into your garden i'm gonna kick everything over i'm just gonna kick dirt (laughs) we got a bb gun so watch out you know so we live on (laughs) gonna pelt me to death yeah that would be very fitting for me to be sprawled out like bleeding out on a field of green beans (laughs) full circle (laughs) from from, yeah from all my bb gunshot wounds so all right so so no green beans for joey your your last pick your your Last pick, I'm rounding it out, and I am giving you credit for the pumpkin pie, and I'm so I'm going to have to pivot here. I was hoping that you wouldn't take that. Uh, give me pecan pie, though. I'm going with pecan pie, and for me, it's also a staple dessert. I think it's right along the same level as pumpkin pie, and also pecan pie is one of those things that I didn't really appreciate or enjoy when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, and actually I think what made the difference for me was once you have like a really good slice of pecan pie, like someone actually took their time to make it. Like once you have that, it's really, really hard to go back. And it's a vehicle for whipped cream. So you can load up with whipped cream. If Jeff isn't um, taking all of it by doing whippets in the garage, there's plenty of whipped plenty Does of not happen. Yes. Never happened. <laughs> so beer only, um, wine yes. excessively, yeah. probably. <laughs> but yes, give me give me pecan pie, give me the extra whipped cream on top, and that's how I'm going to round out my uh, my fancy food draft. The fun note is it's hard for me. My initial Michigan accent wants to say uh, 
pecan pecan oh yeah. man that's a big point of contention so are you pecan or have you switched over to team oh, pecan? it's like I'm, no, I'm kind of a sellout when it comes to um accents you know because it's a mix for me I, you know I, I definitely have so many words that are michigan but i've been living in the south and in louisiana for a long time so it's now i have to when i when i reference it i have to in my head stop for a second and say pecan yeah so I have to do that, not you know, or, or pecan. Uh, I can't. I'm just fighting words down here. If you if you drop a pecan and you're in the, like the New Orleans area, like no. you might be no. throwing fisticuffs like Yanni Gord against uh, DeBrincat the other night. Well, I don't know if it's like this in Seattle, but one thing that I'll never ever be, I can never ever, and I never will claim that I'm from you know New Orleans or from, no, no, from you, Louisiana. Yeah, you, have to, you have to own that you're not because you'll get called out real it. quick. Yeah, yeah if, always if I, I could live here for 30, you know, and, and we're probably not going anywhere. So like I could be here for, you know, 30 years and I'll still will be a transplant. And I'm fine with that. But um, yep, I'm also the I've changed with um, cement, you know, like I grew up saying cement, but I, I start I now say cement because like See, I I say cement. is it cement down here? I don't even know. C, it's a southern thing, I think, you know, but like my wife says cement, you know, so like for my kids sake, you know, because I hear other kids that are from here saying cement um weird because we you know we talk about cement all the time yeah i was gonna um, say <laughs> just cement and green beans like just three times a week <laughs> well, it, that's it, that's it. in context we got the, the kids you know play in our yard a lot like our, our neighborhood we're part of like we're the we're the congregation center for the neighborhood which is the way i want it which is great nice. a lot of kids play so all of a sudden like hey y'all stop playing football on the cement you know like <laughs> get in the grass because you're six and you're going to tackle somebody and you're going to be a massive head wound on on our uh, we're gonna get sued so oh, amazing. I just love how, how cement is like a staple in y'all's vocabulary. This is fucking hilarious. I'm going to, since I have won this draft and I'm like, oh, I'm, okay. mm. I'm going to do something here with my, I, I can't decide. I'm also really hungry and I can't decide what I want to pick for my sixth. I'm going to pick with my sixth and final pick deviled eggs. And what I'm going to do is okay. when I, when I make that pick, I'm going to throw them in the trash immediately. Wait, what are you talking about? You can grow green beans in your backyard. You're going to toss out deviled eggs. You, sir, are so wrong right now. Are you kidding Disgusting. me? Now, my wife, you know, I would I would say, hey, honey, here's some for you. But if I can't share them, like if this, like I'm only allowed to eat what I pick, like I'm literally going to throw it in the trash. D eggs, I can eat scrambled eggs and obviously like eggs and like, you know, other things. But any other egg, especially, especially a hard boiled egg, especially a devil egg, which I, I can, that I, I hate them. I, I absolutely hate like them. Easy sources of protein that are also delicious. I don't know no, what I to eat tell you. I eat scrambled eggs all the time. I love scrambled eggs, but it's the consistency. It's the like, also, too, I'm not a big mayonnaise guy. And then, you know, you mix in like, you take the egg, the nasty egg, you take the yolk, you mix it in with mayonnaise. So you like yeah, take, you're egg, selling me on this, but yes, egg and mayonnaise and whatever else goes in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're eating like the raw, like it's just, it's just like, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm hungry, but I'm also making myself kind of like, I'm getting the watery, like I'm going to throw up feeling because they're like, so good. No, they're disgusting. Deviled eggs are just gross. And well, you know, I, I, I cannot disagree with you more. In fact, you almost shouldn't be allowed to pick this. I feel like you're kind of pandering because you don't even like the deviled eggs. I am a huge fan of deviled eggs. If someone has deviled eggs out, regardless of the occasion and it's like a snack thing i am i'm shoveling them in my mouth one at a time especially if i'm hanging around you and there's deviled eggs out i'm gonna look you in the eyes and i'm gonna hold eye contact and i'm just gonna eat so many deviled eggs <laughs> no, no, first of all if you're eating that many deviled eggs you are going to be in a cloud of just deviled egg of health from all the protein I've been of eating. health it'd be disgusting <laughs> well it's good to know you got deviled eggs to go against me and i've got green beans to go against you
that's fine. Yeah, we can. It's a devil day green bean off. That's what's happening now. All right. So uh, pretty awesome draft here. Another one that I feel great about because I just dominated you. Just like the Halloween draft. This Paul, is something you, you see, like. This is you just saying it. So people in their mind are like, I think, I think Joey won, but Jeff keeps saying that he won. So I need to vote for him, right? Like you're doing like a psychological trick on, on the listeners right now. There's That's a lot of things in my life that I'm not confident in. Um, and like, I can't sell a thing. I'm terrible at sales, but when it comes to BS, that doesn't matter. I'm the best. So yeah. <laughs> this is so good. I, I definitely want really to so, not doing things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, we want to say thank you for listening to our podcast. And, uh, you know, if you're checking out to go and, you know, make your awesome Thanksgiving meal or hang out with your family, we appreciate you listening to this, you know, brand new Seattle Kraken podcast. And, um, you know, just want to say happy Thanksgiving to you, Joey. Um, likewise, man. Likewise. Um, are you, what are you doing for Thanksgiving by the way? No, I'm staying here. I'm staying in New Orleans. I'm going to enjoy it. And uh, I, the, my biggest concern right now is will there be shrimp and merlaton stuffing? Because if there is not, then I will try my hand at making it. Because to me, like we briefly talked about, that for me is the big staple. Like that for me is a must have. And again, for anyone listening that's never heard of, heard of it before, which there might be a lot of, please look up the recipe and try it because it will change your life. No, it's awesome. All right, so... Uh, happy Thanksgiving, and that is our, our Thanksgiving food draft. It is now time to move on to no dumb questions. As uh, you can tell, if you've made it this far in the podcast, we're you know we like to have fun on this podcast. We're uh, new to the Kraken, and uh, if you're new to hockey, we welcome you here. This is not stat-driven podcasting. We are not going to blitz you with so much stuff. We're not know-it-alls when it comes to the Kraken or to the uh, NHL. So if you ever have a question about hockey as you learn about this amazing sport, feel free to go ahead and ask, and we'll do our best to answer it for you. So, Joey, what is today's no-dumb question? All right, so the no-dumb question is, what are the different types of shots and what characteristics like make up the individual shot? So like the different style, the speed of it, like does that change, et cetera? And are certain shots associated with certain positions? Like do you see certain positions or skill sets um, who tend to shoot a certain way on the ice? Yeah, so I think the, the best example of that is the slap shot. And what is a slap shot? The slap shot is the, the shot you see when a player is bringing their stick way back, you know, typically above their head as they wind up behind them and they are bringing the stick down onto the ice and slapping the puck. And these are the, you know, typically this is, that's the, if you want a heavy, fast shot, that is typically how you're going to get the most speed on your shots, right? There's a, there's a handful of players that have been, awesome when it comes to a snapshot, which is where you kind of scoop and snap it. Right. Um, okay. But a slap shot is something that's usually associated with the defenseman because when they are in the offensive zone, you'll watch like on the power play as the Kraken are moving the puck, you know, down low and then back up to the top uh, at the point, which is at the blue line. Um, your two defensemen are back there. And they, if they get an open shot, might take a slap shot. And there's two reasons is, you know, a slap shot, you, you've got to blast it through the defense and to the goalie. You obviously are far away, so you want that thing moving as fast as possible. You want to make sure that you're not, you know, um, sending like a just a, a waffle shot up there, which is just a slow, you know, garbage shot. You want to either try and, you know, snipe a corner or keep it low. Typically, defensemen are shooting a, a slap shot in the hopes that somebody's going to deflect it 
um, you know, on, on your team, um, you are trying to just spook the, um, the, the goalie, you're trying to spook the, you know, the defenseman. So slap okay. shots are typically associated with your defenseman, right? So this was, so I have to ask now, because this is something that I have noticed pretty much since game one about Mark Giordano and something that I really appreciate. This guy loves to fire one timers. Like you see him kind of skating in the same zone, um, you know, whenever the Kraken are on the attack. And he's firing a one-timer, which is he's really getting that shot in on the net. So is that is that a slap shot that he does typically as a defenseman? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so like a, a one-timer is so a one-timer is when you don't stop the puck before you shoot it. You're getting a pass to oh, you. Oh, interesting. I thought they and, were calling it that because like I don't know, he's a defenseman and it's his position, but they're calling it that because the puck is being passed to him and before he even really fully gets to him and stops, he's already firing it off. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, oh. this is, I'm getting pumped because I can see it is we need to, um, we need to get together and I'll get, I'll bring the, you know, the net and the sticks and Fuck we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll show, I'll show you all these different shots. Uh, yeah. You don't stop the puck on your stick and then shoot. You literally, you're getting a pass from somebody and you're one timing it just like, boom, just boom. Okay. Right on net. And that's to try and catch guys off guard. Um, the king of the one-timer is Alex Ovechkin. I mean, he that's he's just scored so many goals because he just gets in the right position and he gets guys to, to, to send him a puck down low. And he's typically down low um, on the, the far side of the net, you know, with an open net. And he gets a, a shot, or I'm sorry, a pass across to him. And he's just like one-timing that thing in the net. So... That oh, is, and, and I do have to say something really quick here, and then I have to give a shout out, a shout out to Bob Matthews, who we did a um, a live watch along for the Caps game. So he's um, he's a lifelong Caps fan. And speaking of Ovechkin, he actually taught me that the left circle is what they call Ovi's office because right. that's where Ovechkin stands, and that's where he's usually, like you said, firing the one timers, which I did not know. So between you and him, I'm learning a lot about Ovechkin's game. Yeah, he just, it's awesome to see him because he just stands there. Just, he looks like, it's like you just like chilling, watching, you know, golf or something like that. Or like, yeah. you know, just standing up, watching somebody grill something. That's Alex, that's his stance. And he's, and he, he really is like a, just a beast in waiting. And he just takes that thing and just slams it home. So awesome. that's a, that's a one timer, which can also be a slap shot, right? If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, a, um, like every, uh, no, I was going to do like an analogy word or like not, what the saying is like, like every snapshot is a one timer, but not every one timer is a, is a slap shot type of thing. But no, I, yeah. I totally, I totally get what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Then there's like your a snapshot or a wrist shot, which is, you know, slap shot is we're using brute strength and you basically are using like kind of like a baseball swing uh -huh. where a snapshot is more in your wrist. Right. And that's going to be something that's more accurate. That's, that's typically like uh, a shot you're going to see, um, you know, on a breakaway or if somebody kind of like, you know, uh, snipes a shot from the, the, uh, the circle and they just kind of like drag the puck and they snap it with their wrist. Like they just like snap it like that. Right. Okay. So that's, so, that's like a precision. Like they're trying to be more surgical about it. So they're sacrificing yeah. the speed to yeah. kind of put it in a certain position. Yes. And you know, like, look, me taking a snapshot, uh, or a wrist shot versus uh, a slap shot, like the speed differences, like, you know, my slap shot probably is still not as fast as, you know, an NHLers wrist shot. You know what I mean? So, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the difference between, yeah. The pro hockey players. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. If what if you want to, have you, have you ever uh, played around with a real puck? 
I've literally never, I don't think I've even like held a real puck. If that gives you kind of any <laughs> indication to how new I am into the sport. It, when you, when you play and mess around with a real puck, you really respect if you go, especially if you go watch a game in person, how fast they snap this thing around because it's pretty, it's pretty heavy. Like it's, it's a, it's a heavy thing. I, I forgot the actual weight on it, but it's a solid rubber thing and it hurts if you get hit with it. Um, and it's, it takes a lot of strength to make it move. Um, one cool thing about a, a slap shot is it, when you look at it, like in if you look at it in slow motion versus regular speed, it's it, you see what it is. Is it may look like you're slapping the puck, like you're hitting the puck, but really what you're doing to get the speed is, and I'm doing this on video, is like, all right, so you got the puck, the puck's on the ice. You're not slapping the puck with your stick. What you're doing is you're about you know six inches in front of for those that the, can't see for those won't be able to see like Jeff is actually standing up so this is no this is awesome man like I I appreciate the visual but is so this what, like where, you, where you will slap the ice right in front of the puck is that what you're yeah, referencing that's what I'm trying to say because you are using the um the bend the flexibility in your stick to get that extra snap so like you're slapping the ice and if you think about it it's kind of like a rubber band is like as you as you snap the ice as you come down you're kind of dragging the stick the blade of the stick along the ice first your stick is bending and as you come up off the ice the the stick snaps and it slaps the puck so like for a long time so back in the day when before like I still don't have a good slap shot but for a long time I was just hitting the puck like directly and it was never anything great like I was working really hard to like try and get a slap shot that was decent yeah and you're like what's going on here i've been working on this for years and whatever yeah yeah just but then like i, I don't know who taught me or what i noticed was like oh yeah you're not supposed to hit the puck you're supposed to hit the ice behind it you know and then you get that extra snap because also too back in the day stick stick technology has come a long way um back in the day sticks were made of wood you know now they're made of composite you know they're made of uh that fiberglass and and they're made to bend and be there's different flexes right so some um a, a forward might have a stick that's very bendy because they get a really awesome uh, wrist shot or snapshot because they yeah. have a little more flex to it. Now, if you have a lot of power and you use a stick that has a lot of flexibility to it and you're, you're uh, you know, shooting slap shots a lot, your stick will be prone to breaking. So, you know, having a stick with a low flexibility is what you want if you are heavy on your stick and playing defense, but also taking heavy shots. So like, think about it this way is like a flexible stick you use as a forward because you're going to get a sweet wrist shot or a, uh, a snapshot. Um, but what it sacrifices is strength. And um, that's where you see a lot of sticks will, will break often. Um, now defensemen, they want a stick that's not super flexible and is very strong because um, they want to have an awesome slap shot, but they also too are like using their stick to play defense and they're whacking guys and whacking the puck and that sort of thing. So yeah, you're pulling a Schwartzy out there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, that's um, that makes total sense. That's super interesting. I didn't even know about the different, um, like you said, the, like the stick technology. So all this is freaking awesome, man. And, and honestly, like I, like even with the one timers, like I thought that was just because he was a defenseman and that's kind of where he's, you know, that's where he lives, but no, it's because the pass is in route and he's not stopping it before he's firing one off, even though he usually does do a slap shot there. So this is awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. If you go real quick, if you're watching uh, the, the Kraken, hopefully getting some power plays this week and the defensemen are moving the puck back and forth but they're trying to get the goalie to be moving side to side, right? So yeah. what, they're, what they're trying to do is they're constantly trying to, to position uh, between the forward and the defenseman to like open up some space. And ideally, you know, Mark Giordano is, 
um, one timing the puck because he sees that, you know, they, they had an opportunity, a quick pass across the circles and he's taking a one timer because he's got an open net on that side. You know what I mean? So like you're trying mm -hmm. to move the goalie around and you might one time it because um, you don't want to wait. And that's what we've been knocking the Kraken for is sometimes they wait too long. To take a shot. Yeah. And they should just put it on net and blast it on net and catch guys out of position, catch goalies out of position. Yeah. So, and then also it makes a lot of sense too, because if you're firing one off and it's coming at, you know, the goalie pretty quickly, if he doesn't, if he has a chance to react, but he can't kind of corral the thing. Now you're looking at a rebound. And if a guy's in the right position, he has an opportunity to, you know, flip it in with a, with a nice little wrist shot off a rebound. So that makes, yeah. that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's, there's tap-ins, you know, which are redirections, which I, I, I always loved read. I mean, Oh my Schwartz. God. Dude, did you see, by the way, sorry. Did you see the no, the no look redirection from, I think it was Schwartzy. Um, yeah. I forget which game it might've actually been against the abs and the goalie had a crazy, um, a crazy block on it, but this dude legit did a no look redirection like between the legs, like using his, like not like using the stick, but like wasn't even look. I've never seen something like that. I couldn't even see it in real time. They had to slow it down. I could not believe the level of skill and focus it would take to pull off something like that. The fact that that, that goal wasn't scored was just so fucking upsetting because that was a situation where the Kraken needed a goal. And it was also just such a cool play that I can't believe that it was stopped. But that no, there's. Anyways. There, I, I love those because those it takes hand-eye coordination. It I, that's one of my favorite types of goals is that redirection. Oh, it's so um, beautiful. There's actually there's like a, a couple of goals that I can think of specifically, like in bullshit beer hockey leagues that I've scored. Uh, there's like two or three that I can think of that I'm proud of, and you know, one you of them redirected the puck like on a well, fly, and then well, one of them was like uh it was roller hockey which we're using a puck in roller hockey this is way back in the day and i remember um i was in front of the net and i you know i i just i love goal scorers i love guys who get in front of the net get dirty yeah. um and i stood in front of the net and defenseman is at the point he's got the puck and i told i was like shoot the puck shoot the puck so he shoots the puck directly at me and i uh was standing with a defenseman behind me and it came right at me and i used my stick blade to tap it down so like yeah. it was probably like two feet off of the ice off of the the rink yeah and yeah. i tapped it down and so it it went it bounced down between the defenseman's leg and between the goalie's leg and i what was like that's fucking awesome and, yeah. uh, and i like act, like i am the man like yeah, yeah. this is this is this is like a garbage roller hockey league it was yeah, fun dude, i mean that's, like an old, that's like an all-time moment though after that goal i would have been like oh my god i, yeah. I can never replicate this like it this was, is just everything I, like the stars aligned and <laughs> it's fun i and that's one of my in, in like practicing or playing with friends i always love practicing that like having them just take slap shots and me just redirect things i just i love uh redirection um, those are fun goals. So anyway, this, so pay attention to what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're, you know, what they're doing out there and pay attention specifically this week, Joey, watch as they take slap shots, watch that, um, that stick on the ice first. Also watch those one timers too, to try and catch guys off guard. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And then at some point soon, we'll, I'll get some hockey sticks out. We'll shoot some pucks. We'll talk more about that and have some fun with that. So hell yeah, man. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. So we referenced um, at the beginning of the show talking about that uh, Blackhawks game, and, and this is a crappy stack because it's not a, a Kraken player, but uh, Alex DePrincat, 
of the Blackhawks, he had a Gordie Howe hat trick in the game. He fought with Deonny Gord, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is a Gordie Howe hat trick? So in um, today's hockey history, let's talk about, you know, real quick, Gordie Howe. Who is Gordie Howe? Gordie Howe is known as Mr. Hockey. I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan, born in Detroit. And, um, you know, Gordie Howe is a legend. I think I've already told this story probably three times now on the podcast. I met him at Blockbuster Video one time. What? Um, Wait, you told this story in the podcast? Did I? I don't I don't think you did, man, because I feel oh. like I would remember this. You met so, Gordie Howe at a fucking Blockbuster? That's yeah, like so old school story of all time. Like you is, cannot pick a better setting. This is Metro Detroit. So first of all, Gordie Howe was Wayne Gretzky before Wayne Gretzky existed. Be, until Wayne Gretzky existed, Gordie Howe was the best hockey player of all time. Right. Okay. And um, he's in that era, the 50s, the 60s. And even in the seventies, he was the best hockey player ever. And what he was, he was huge. He was skilled and huge. Um, you know, any sport you go back into the fifties, sixties, seventies is like, you got guys who are just schlubs, um, who are skilled, but this guy was like a physical specimen, so tough. And he also could like score goals like crazy. And he did. Right. So he was known as Mr. Hockey cause he could do it all. Uh, he was fantastic, but he was also known for his physicality. Right. So, um, you know, I knew all about him. And this is like, I think I was in high school. I was visiting a friend who worked at Blockbuster and I was checking something out and was talking to her and we were both big Red Wings fans. And um, I'll never forget her face. And she was like, uh, we were talking for a second and, but there, somebody came up in line behind us. So like, was, she, she was like, Oh, there's, you know, some, you know, somebody's in line. You have to move out the way. And she had a look on her face as soon as she said that, like, Oh my God. And she said, Hey, Mr. Howe. Oh, it's so my. awesome to meet you. I turn around and it's Gordy Howe and his wife. I think it's, her name's uh, Colleen. I, I, what was he writing? Was it like blood sport or something awesome? I don't remember what he was. Dude, it was like, it was crazy. Uh, this was, you know, obviously he he's passed. Um, and he, he, he was amazing. The nicest guy. And I was like, oh, Mr. Howe, it's so awesome to meet you. And I shook his hand. I'll never forget. Like, and I'm not a big dude. So, like, it's not like I have huge mitts anyway, huge hands. He had fucking bear paws. Yeah. He did. Like, shaking his hand was like shaking hands with a bear. It, like, literally wrapped around my, almost like up to my shoulder. <laughs> I felt like, I felt like he was, it was so he cool. Severs your hand at the wrist. You're like, oh, I don't even fucking care. I'm going to bleed out here. This yeah. is awesome. And, like, I didn't get to, I, like, didn't say, can I have an autograph? I totally am that guy who would do that. But I just so, like, oh my God, I can't believe it. No, I think um, it's better in the moment that you didn't, though. I didn't know. Like, like blacked out from the awesomeness. I mean, you're, you're literally meeting a legend. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I absolutely am glad I did not but that was really cool um so a gordy howe hat trick a hat trick as you know is when you hopefully maybe you don't a hat trick is a when you score three goals in a game three goals in a game okay. yep no that's that's a hat trick it, 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 you may score a goal and then somebody else scores a goal and blah 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 there's also a natural hat trick okay a natural hat trick is when you score three goals consecutively in a game right which which by the way eberly did well, when he scored his hat trick for the Kraken, that was a natural hat trick. He got yeah. he got the three goals in a, in a row. Nobody else scores a goal, but you score one, two, three. That's a natural. So a hat trick scores. You have three, you know, three goals in a game at any point. Hat trick. Natural hat trick is you score three goals in a row in the game. Nobody else, either team scores a goal, right? So natural hat trick. A Gordie Howe hat trick is a goal, an assist, and a fight, and. The, the Mr. Hockey nickname comes into play there because he does it all. And fighting um, is still part of the game, as you know, which is great, but it was a bigger part back then, right? So 
that's what a Gordie Howe hat trick is, is a goal, an assist, and a fight in the game. And we looked up some stats on it too. And I never really knew this, but um, apparently the Gordy Howe only had two Gordy Howe hat tricks in his actual life. In his 26 years in the NHL, he had two Gordy Howe hat tricks. Like Gordy Howe himself only did that twice ever, yeah. which is insane because so I, when, you know, when we're look, when we're looking up like statistics and trying to get some insight behind this, that to me tells me that this guy really was Mr. Everything because he only did it twice in his whole freaking career. And they're like, dude, we don't give a shit. We're naming this after you because you're the guy that does everything. Yep. Yep. So that's where it comes from is just the guy who did it all. Um, and it's, it's still referenced to this day, which is totally cool. So Gordie Howe, um, you know, is he the greatest hockey player ever? Um, some will argue that. And there's a reason for it because back in the day before Wayne Gretzky was around, this was the dude. And uh, as somebody who met him at Blockbuster Video, <laughs> I can say that, man, I would not ever want to get into a fight with uh, with Gordy Howe. I dude, and, and I also have to say um, that uh, what I, I came across a quote from his son, Marty, that I thought was amazing. And it's also a famous quote regarding Gordy Howe. And the quote is, the Gordy Howe hat trick should really be a goal an assist and a cross check to the face that might be more accurate. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I just thought that was, that was awesome because it was like his son's way of honoring his dad, but also kind of calling him out being like, yeah, replace the, replace the fighting with a, with a cross stick to the face. And uh, he'll probably have a lot more of those over the course of his career. <laughs> well, there, there you go. There's your, um, your hockey history is the Gordie Howe hat trick. So uh, maybe we'll see one of those from a Kraken player uh, this week. It's going to be a tough week for the Kraken, but I think they can pull it off. Like I said, we got that, uh, that one game win streak to, uh, to, to keep rolling against the hurricanes and the lightning and the Panthers, it's Thanksgiving week. So, uh, Joey, take your terrible um, Thanksgiving food draft uh, into Thanksgiving. Um, super thankful that you're my co-host and you're an awesome dude. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you as a new hockey fan uh, and a Seattle Kraken fan. So, man, happy Thanksgiving to you. Dude, yeah, happy. Th I appreciate that. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. I'm thankful for you as well. I'm also thankful for everyone that listens to and downloads our podcast. Like we're still in like the infancy stages of it, which is a lot of times already it feels really weird to think about that this is only episode seven, but the support has been great. Thank you so much to everyone that again listens and downloads and rates and reviews and also like share share it with everyone. You know, you're you're hanging around, whether you celebrate Thanksgiving or not, put the podcast on. Make the whole family listen to it. They don't watch hockey. That's fine. Torture them because that's what family does when they get together anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely right. Torture well, each other. I, uh, I'm definitely kudos to that too. And thank you for listening. Uh, we're so appreciative of, of you and for having a team in Seattle, uh, the Seattle Kraken. So from Joey, from me, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to episode seven of what lies beneath a Seattle Kraken podcast. Take care.